What do you make of the pre-trib rapture? Welcome to the Cafe for Christian Thought. You remember in our last couple of episodes, we've looked at what Christian living looks like and also some arguments for and against Christianity. Today, we are doing something a little bit different. We are looking at quite a controversial topic, but a topic that is controversial amongst Christians. So sincere apologies if you're an atheist that's been listening to these podcasts. We will have plenty more for you coming soon. But this specific episode is focusing on the pre-trib rapture. I mean, we've all heard it before. The church will mysteriously disappear at the rapture, and the Antichrist will rule for seven years at a time that a physical temple exists. He'll make a peace covenant in the Middle East, which he breaks after three and a half years, and then there's going to be a horrific three and a half years where people who don't get a microchip in their arm or some sort of digital ID or quantum dot will all be killed. And then at the end of time, Christ will return with the second coming. The key point here is the second coming and the rapture are two key different events, according to this particular view. I tend to hold a very different view, and I'm going to explain why today. The whole idea of the rapture being different from the second coming has virtually no biblical basis. In fact, what you'll see is people who support the idea of the rapture often have to look for hidden meanings, such as symbolism in Jewish weddings or in Revelation or dragging out a meaning of a passage way beyond what it was actually intended to mean. Here's five quick reasons why we think you shouldn't buy into the idea of a pre-trib rapture, which is very common today amongst evangelicals. Number one, the gathering of the elect, according to Matthew 24, 29, takes place immediately after the tribulation of those days. We all know that pre-tribulationists love to quote Matthew 24, 36, that no one knows the day or the hour of Christ's return, a day where one will be taken while working in a field and the other left behind in verse 40. Since you don't know the day or the hour of the rapture, this can't take place after the tribulation, they argue, because the tribulation is a set seven years. So if you know the start, you'll know the end. However, you simply need to look at the context of this passage to see that that day that no one knows the day or the hour of is contextually the same as Matthew 24, 29. That day where the elect will be gathered from the four winds, which will take place, according to Jesus, immediately after the tribulation of those days. The idea of a rapture before the abomination of desolation which is mentioned in Matthew 24, 15, and according to pre-tribulationists, kicks off the tribulation, is simply not mentioned in the text. It is simply not there. Well, perhaps you might want to question the exact length of the tribulation of those days Jesus is referring to, rather than automatically assuming this relates to a pre-tribulational rapture, since we don't know the day or the hour. There's no need to contradict the text here. Matthew 24, 36, that no one knows the day or the hour of, is referring to the signs of Christ's coming that his disciples asked him about and which Jesus explicitly says will take place after the tribulation. A very interesting point to add to this is this very coming like a thief, which leads to the end of the world as we know it, in 2 Peter 
3-10 is not followed by some sort of seven-year gap. You simply read 2 Peter 3 and you see this end-of-the-world event is spoken of as coming like a thief, which is what pre-tribulationists often think of as the second coming. So we see the same language used for that too. Furthermore, 2 Peter 3.13 adds, we look forward to the new heavens and a new earth. Brought about by this coming like a thief, not some sort of mystery rapture which removes us from the earth. Peter is very clear. They're looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth at the day of the Lord when Christ comes like a thief. They look forward to this final judgment which brings forth the new heavens and the new earth. Sorry, not some mysterious rapture. So that's point one, that the gathering of the elect takes place immediately after the tribulation. Fact two is that the snatching away of 1 Thessalonians 4 takes place after the man of lawlessness is revealed, according to 2 Thessalonians 2. Another common verse used by pre-tribulationists is 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17 which describes the dead in Christ rising from the dead and meeting those who were alive to be caught up in the clouds with Christ. They argue this cannot describe the second coming as the second coming, according to Acts 1 and Revelation 19, involves Christ coming to earth. So by implication, they say, this must relate to some mysterious pre-tribulation rapture event. Instead of creatively adding our own events into Paul's letters, we would save ourselves a lot of trouble by reading 2 Thessalonians 2 and his response to the Thessalonians' reaction to his first letter, where some of them have even stopped working in anticipation of the rapture. Paul is clear. He is referring in 2 Thessalonians 2.1 to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, which is what he'd spoken about in 1 Thessalonians 4. He states in 2 Thessalonians 2.3, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come. And remember the context, that day is the coming of the Lord and our gathering together to him. In other words, the rapture will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness, often known as the Antichrist, the son of destruction, is revealed. So Paul could not possibly be any clearer that the man of lawlessness, commonly known as the Antichrist, will be revealed prior to our being gathered together to him. He's not writing to Jews, but to Gentiles, and refers to the coming of Christ and the gathering as one event. Okay, So he's not talking to Jews that are going to somehow exist in the tribulation and haven't believed yet. That's not the context at all. You also notice that with this in mind, it makes very little sense to think of the restrainer, which is another argument commonly used by pre-tribulationists, given that it's mentioned a few verses later in verse 7 of 2 Thessalonians 2, as the church. Given this context we know of the first few verses of 2 Thessalonians 2, it makes very little sense to consider the restrainer to be the church. Paul would simply be contradicting himself if that's the case. He would be saying, in one case, you're not going to be gathered till the Antichrist is revealed. Then on the other, he's saying, you're what's holding the Antichrist back. 
Once you're taken, the Antichrist will be revealed. That would be flat-out contradicting, which makes no sense. Furthermore, the restrainer is referred to in the masculine sense. But the bride of Christ would carry a feminine tense. So what you can see here is using this restrainer passage as a key point, pointing to the pre-tribulation rapture, is quite weak. It contradicts what Paul says a few verses earlier and applies a masculine tense to the feminine body of Christ. We also note parallels between 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17 and Matthew 24, 29 to 31, which takes place after the tribulation of those days. How do we see this, you might ask? Well, let's have a look. Both contain angels. Both contain a loud trumpet call and the gathering of the elect. Furthermore, there is a cry of command, the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. This hardly makes it sound like a secret event. So the parallels clearly suggest they're talking about the same thing. And to add to that, in 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul is saying this doesn't take place until the Antichrist is revealed. Others might point to contradictions between the rapture and the second coming. It is important to first note we're dealing with passages which use imagery from the Old Testament, places such as Daniel 7. So we should really be careful about taking these two literally. Second, it is not actually contradictory to say Christians will meet Christ in the air and then escort him to the earth as part of the process. Either way, this is a very weak argument from pre-tribulationists given that Matthew 24, 29 to 31 and 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17 evidently refer to a time after the tribulation. We're going to be looking at a couple more points in the next podcast, but hopefully this has laid a good foundation for you to see how the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture is really not in line with biblical passages on these topics. Feel free to have a look at our website as well. We've also recently posted an article on the next pandemic. Feel free to reach out to us as well at streettheologian at protonmail.com or our website is www.streettheologian.com. Bye for now.